Welcome back, Friar fans, to episode two of the Friar Town Pod. Episode two, that means we are a officially a recurring podcast. Uh, we promised you guys that we would be doing this on a weekly basis. However, I got nailed with the flu for the first time in my life this past week, and that put me on the DL. But nonetheless, we have four games to recap, and here with me now is my partner, Matt Shaker. Hey, Nate. How's it going? You feeling good these days? Hey, last time, I, last time we spoke on here, Matt, our Friars were 6-5 and five in the conference, and, you know, I mean... You're feeling good, but there was a lot of room to for things to really go well or really go sour. And uh, well, we all since know how that, it's I'd been. Say overall, it's <laughs> trended up pretty pretty well. You know, they've gone three and one since. Their only loss was to St. John's. Yeah, and um, I remember texting you the day after that pod and telling you they had the St. John's game on Wednesday and they had the Seton Hall game Saturday. And I told you if we beat Seton Hall Saturday lock us into the tournament, and, well, I didn't expect things to happen in Queens the way they did that Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, that was tough, but I think it really goes to show what the season's been about, and that's just been inconsistency. They're losing games that they should be winning, and they're winning games that they should be losing. You know, as far as what analysts and other people are saying, fans are saying, you know, they lost by 11 to St. John's at St. John's. People were expecting PC to win that game. But then they went and they beat Seton Hall. And then, on top of that, they went and they beat Georgetown. And then they went and they beat Marquette. Yeah. Seton Hall, number 10 team in the country. Marquette, number 19. Georgetown, Seton Hall, Marquette, all quad one wins. Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster of a season for the Friars, especially the way it's turned out. But they've certainly crawled their way back. And let's just touch up on this St. John's game real quick here. I mean terrible start right out of the gate um you just you you felt like they could have turned it around in the second half there they only went into halftime down by single digits but they just they came alive offensively in the second half but St. John's just matched every shot and you know Diallo had his 19, Duke and Reeves with 12 each, but the highest scorer than that was Pipkins with 7. You got a whole lot of 4, 5s, and 6s up there. I mean, it's just not going to get the job done. And St. John's, they didn't even have Mustafa Heron for that game either. I mean, Figueroa drops 19. Yep, I mean, Rasheem Dunn with 13. But, you know, a key to that that game was the three-point shooting of St. John's. St. John's coming into the game was the worst, percentage-wise, three-point shooting team in the conference. They went 9 for 21, 42.9% from three. You know, and, and Haram was one of their top two three-point percentage shooters. Him and uh, Figueroa. Figueroa was four for nine in that game. But still, there's going to be more, uh, more three-point shooting than that. If they're going to go nine for 21, and they got two for Champagny, two for four, and then Erlington. Yeah, I mean... He was two for three from three. They were draining them from out there, and the 23 turnovers by the Friars didn't help either. I mean, from your three point guards, Duke, White, and Pipkins, they totaled six turnovers for Duke, five for White, and four for Pipkins. That's a grand total of 15 from your point guard play. I mean, you just... You can't have that, obviously. And 
It was the only guy that seemed to show up was Diallo at 19 and 17 in that one. And he didn't even attempt a three in that game. We'll, we'll visit that when we talk about the Seton Hall game next. But even their free throw percentage that game, I mean, they only hit 17 out of 29. Good for 59%. I mean, And they were 6 for 22 from three. You know, if you're not going to win a game when you're going 6 for 22 from three, shooting 27%, and the other team is shooting almost 43% from three. Not in a game that's oriented around three-point arc like today's game is. You know, we're not talking about 10 years ago with Greg Monroe and just B-style play inside. Exactly. It's a different style game these days. If you can't shoot, you know, in general, if you can't put the ball in the basket, you're in trouble. Yeah. And and Watson only had four points. He's your main inside guy. Yep. I mean, they did out-rebound St. John's 41-35 to in that one, but clearly no threat inside. I mean, between your two centers, you got 10 total points. Um, just not a good look for the Friars. And like we said, going into that week, they were 6-5 and five in the conference. And after that loss, dropping them to 500 again at 6-6, six and six, you really did not feel good. But Saturday was a whole different story, and you were Boy, there, brother. I wasn't. I mean, ah, what a game to miss. But, hey, what a game for the Friars. Seton Hall, I'll tell you. That team can do – they can go to the Final Four. They can win it all. That team, you know, they can go – who knows how deep they'll go is my point there. That team has every facet just at a high level. You know, they have uh, Rome- Romero Gill. He's just tremendous shot blocker and rebounder, and he's really developed the ability to score inside. Coming into the season, nobody had ever heard of him. You know, he's averaging eight points and almost six boards for a game. He had three blocks in that game. He he had eight rebounds. And, you know, um, he's tremendous down low. And then on top of that, you know, you have Miles Powell. He had 27 points. Quincy McKnight had 14. Yeah. Jared Roden had 10. I mean, boards. Yeah, they – I mean, Gill definitely didn't have – the game that he had in the first meeting where he put up, you know, eight blocks, 17, six and eight blocks. Um, you know, they definitely quieted him down. He ran into some foul trouble. A lot of guys ran into foul trouble in this game. Seton Hall had almost 30 personal fouls in their team. Everybody in the starting lineup had at least three. That's um, right. Nate. And you know, Powell got his, he got 27. He was nine for 20 from the field, but how PC beat them was Roden, was four for six from the field. But aside from those two guys, they kept they kept everybody else locked down. Mamu was three for eight from the field. He's their second leading scorer at 10.9 points per game and five rebounds. He has seven points and one rebound. Gill had four points. McKnight had 14, but he was one for eight from the field. They made him earn those 14, and he didn't have a single three. Samuel off the bench, Tyrese Samuel... He's a 6'10 stretch forward. He had four. And Shavar Reynolds had five points off the bench. But aside from that, they didn't score. You know, they played five guys off the bench, only two of them scored. But for Providence, it was a completely different story. I mean, the, the game was 100% Diallo, don't get me wrong. He had 35 points, 10 rebounds, 5 for 5 from 3, 11 for 15 from the field. 
The Owls never had a game like that at PC. No, and... And he's been playing considerable minutes since his freshman year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, his 35-10, and 10, he was the first Big East player to do that this year. And we looked it up um, on the sports basketball reference page that dates back to 2010. And he's only the third PC player to do that in the past decade. Marshawn Brooks in 2011, Ben Bentel in 2016. And may I point out, I'm sorry to interrupt, may I point out both those guys were drafted. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, Diallo, obviously, there's that outside chance for him. I mean, if he would have, you know, put up more 35 and 10s this season, he'd have a lot better chance. But and what the point I was getting to of him not attempting a three in the St. John's game, as you alluded to, he was perfect behind the arc, five for five. And, I mean, they weren't just wide open threes. I mean, he's banking them. He's hitting them in dudes' faces. I mean. Sometimes it's just your night. Yep. And. Another thing for Diallo, 8-for-9 at the free throw line. We talked about the free throws, how it killed them in the St. John's game. The team goes 25-for-35, good for 71%. That's much more respectable than your, you know, 58% in that St. John's game. Um, they hit their free throws. Diallo, Pipkins was there when you, you needed you know, it. He was the only other guy to shoot in double figures. But yeah, I mean, Pipkins had 13. That run they went on at the beginning of the game was incredible. 35 to 9, I mean, but it never felt comfortable against Seton Hall. No, it really didn't. It's not going to against a team of that caliber. But here's, here's an interesting uh, statistic about Pipkins. When Pipkins scores double figures, they're, they're just bound to win games. You know, he's averaging 12.5 points per game in their wins this year. 16 wins. And in losses, he's averaging only 6.5 points. You need Pipkins. In wins this year, he's shooting 37.5 from three. In losses, he's not even shooting 24%. You need Pipkins. And Pipkins has come to play these past few games, especially. It seems like he's finally found his groove. He's back in the starting lineup. Cooley started him the other day against Marquette. Um, And he started this game against Seton Hall. Pipkins, I mean... You need that threat at any time. I mean, you got Reeves, but then Reeves sometimes, I feel like he they gets get shot shy. Yeah, and he just doesn't get his shots. I mean, there's some games where he's only putting up, you know, five or six shots. And, you know, when you need a guy to give you double-digit points, that's usually not going to produce you that. Right, Nate. And, you know, another thing about, about that Seton Hall game, there was a hidden gem in that game, and that was Greg Gant, you know, the, the six nine freshman. Uh, Six nine freshman, six eight freshman. Uh, he's just, you know, he's averaging two point eight points, two and a half rebounds per game. He had nine rebounds in that game. Yeah, he was all over the glass. It seemed like every in twenty two minutes, every rebound he was either grabbing or he was right under there. It was it was great to see, honestly. Yeah, and you know, as a team, they turned the ball over fifteen times, just as many as Seton Hall did, and comparing that to the twenty three. Turnovers that they committed against St. John's the previous game, I'll tell you what, it's all about point guard play. Pip, Malik, David, they'll take them as far as they can go. And I'll tell you what, when when Lawan Pipkins, David Duke, and Malik White are on, this team is tough to beat. They can beat anybody in the country. Yep, I mean, a much more clean game from the point guard play. Um, I, I remember on the last podcast I had mentioned Powell had entered 
the game, scoring only 13 points per game in the dunk. He got his. He got his 27, but a lot of that was towards the end there. He was shut down for a very good portion of that first half. I think he only had, like, a handful of points, maybe. He was just hitting up, like, jacking up threes at the end. And, you know, this game, PC won by three, but they could have easily won this game by 10. I mean, with the three free throws at the end from McKnight after the storm court and the foul by Gant. PC was up by as many as 25 in that game. Yeah, I mean, and like I said Seton before. Seton Hall came back. It never, it never felt close. And when Seton Hall, they bring it within 14 at halftime. That's when I started getting worried. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I remember talking were, to you. And yeah, we were you just know, like were up on the same page. At one point. And now all of a sudden it's 14. And this is Seton Hall. This isn't... You know, I mean, there's no bad teams in Division One, but this is one of the best teams in the in all of college. It's the number ten team in the country, and there's a reason for that. This team was rel- This Seton Hall team's relentless, and like I said before, they have everything on that team. They have outside shooting, shot blocking, point guard play. You know, they have every facet of the game. Yeah, they really are a complete team, and that's why they've been, you know, consistently top 15, top 10 ranked in the country essentially all season long. And after that game in Queens on Wednesday, that win Saturday, you felt like they canceled each other out. So after that week, we saw a whole lot of Fryer still on the bubble, the first four team out and whatnot. And then we go Wednesday to D.C., and the Friars complete the season sweep against the Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, Friars had previously beaten Georgetown by 16 at their home court on New Year's Eve to start off conference play. And they just picked up right where they left off. Yeah, and you know, Pipkins, the key to that game. Pipkins had 16 points. He was 5 for 7 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3. Didn't turn the ball over once. And like I've been saying all throughout this podcast so far, point guard play, point guard play, point guard play. I have a, I have a very good feeling about Pipkins going forward. You know, he dealt with injuries last year. You could tell he wasn't completely back at the beginning of this year. But recently, I can't tell you for sure what it is. But I like how he's been, why, or I should say why it is, but he's been playing very, very well. Yeah, and Pipkins hit a lot of big shots in that second half. Province was down four at halftime, but it never really felt like Georgetown was in the driver's seat in that game. Like, you always felt pretty good about a PC comeback, and PC actually outscores Georgetown by 14 in the second half en route to a 73-63 victory. And just to go back on that point guard play, in this game against Georgetown, the three White, Malik White, Pipkins, and Duke, 14 combined assists, only three combined turnovers. And that's the type of play that you need from your point guards. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and David didn't score a point that game. He was 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 1 from the line. But Malik stepped up off the bench, played 29 minutes, he had 11.7 assists. And only had two turnovers. You know, you have to have guys pick each other up. You can't have, you know, people, guys, guys are going to have down nights. But when one guy has a down night, somebody else has to step up. In the past couple of games, that's what they've been doing. This is a unit. They're not individual guys. I mean, they are. But this is a team. 
And Cooley's, for as long as he's been here, he's always emphasized family and supporting each other and picking each other up. And obviously off the court, but also on the court, and they're finally starting to show that. And I, truthfully, I couldn't be more impressed with how far this team has come so far this season, considering their losses to Long Beach State and College of Charleston. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some ugly losses, but, you know, even when guys like Duke, he doesn't put up any points, but has a career-high five steals in that game. So everybody's doing something. Exactly. And, you know, in that game, too, you can't forget about Khalif Young. Khalif had 11 points and nine rebounds. He was five for eight from the field in that game. He had two steals and two blocks. He only turned the ball over once. You know, Watson, he only played 16 minutes. He had six points and four rebounds. But, you know, he really wasn't in the game all that much. He wasn't even in the game for half of it. But Khalif stepped up, and Khalif was great. He really was. And then, you know, you also have to really, really have to mention Diallo. He had 18 points and eight rebounds in 38 minutes. Yeah. You know, when a guy's playing that many minutes, if you're going to win, he has to play well. Yeah. I mean, the big guys did their thing, and to your point about Khalif... Um, he com- comes off the bench but still plays eight more minutes than Watson. I know you got a cool little nugget over there about Khalif when he gets a certain amount of playing time. Yeah, PC's 13-3 and three when Khalif Young plays 20 or more minutes. And they're 3-9 and nine when he plays less than 20 minutes. And... I know, I know when we, I said that to you, you were like, you, you couldn't believe it almost. Yeah, you know, I mean, and nothing against Khalif, of course, but Watson, Nate Watson was up for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. He was, he was nominated for that award at the beginning of the season. You know, if you were going to guess that statistic to be for one of the two centers, you would think with that being said, it would be for, for Nate. Oh, but, you yeah, know, I guess that definitely. just goes to show their depth down low. Yep, and, you know, Khalif... He, he's been doing it this year, man. He's, he's been having a really solid senior season for the Friars. Um, Gant in that game only plays two minutes. Emmett gets 18 minutes there. It was nice to see him out there. We met Emmett the other day, great guy. Yeah, he had um, a big three in that game too. Yep, you, you, lo- you love to see it from him, especially with all he's yeah, you know, I've been met, through. Of course, you know, I've met Emmett Holt a couple of times, and he's a very down-to-earth, just a very, a very nice young man. He's, he really represents the Friar family very well. Not just in terms of being friendly and, you know, just an overall nice guy, but in terms of, look what he's overcome with with illness and, you know, he's just overcome so much. Yeah, oh, and that yeah. relentlessness. It's hard not to admire it. It's hard not it. to admire, exactly. And I think that he really represents what Ed Cooley's trying, what, what he's been trying to build at PC for over the last decade or so. Yeah. And in that game, um, so coming into that game, I remember seeing a lot of the brackets and Georgetown was in it. PC was on the outside looking in. But PC gets that win. They moved to 8-6 and six in the conference. Georgetown, 5-8, and eight, and we talked about it. We'll get to it a little bit later in the podcast. But as long as PC continues to win these games that they should, everybody else on the bubble, they're going to have their hiccups. And that this is exactly what happened Wednesday. I mean, they took advantage of a team that was viewed just above them in the net rankings, just above them in terms of the bracketology, and they got a big road win. Georgetown, they didn't have to they didn't have to face their big guns. You know, Yurtsevin out. Right. McClung, McClung leaves only the played game. eight minutes. Yeah, only eight minutes. He leaves the game with 
I believe it was an arm or a wrist injury or something. Yeah, he left the game with an injury, but he, we knew he was going to be limited coming into it. Yeah, He exactly. wasn't even expected to play until, you know, he was a game-time decision. Your seven was a game-time decision, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he didn't even play a minute. But on top of that, you know, Georgetown's a tremendous team. And what really, the reason why I say that is because look at the depth. Look what they've managed to do having LeBlanc leaving the team. Mm-hmm. Yep, with Akinjo. Yep, and Akinjo leaving the team. They're starting point guard, and a kid that started as a freshman last year, leaper, rebounder, that was coming off the bench this year. So really, not having your seven, Akinjo, McClung, and LeBlanc, they really were missing four starter quality players, including their best big guy and their, best, and their, and their two best guards. Granted, I mean, I understand Akinjo and LeBlanc are no longer on the team, but you get my point. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they got some solid players. I mean, Allen's a real good guard. Javon Blair got his. He had a, he you know, had a game high 20 for, points. You know, Blair was only two for eight from three. PC did a real good job covering him, but that kid can shoot. Yeah, I mean, well, the whole Georgetown team couldn't buy a bucket in the second half. I think they what, went 12 straight minutes at some point in that second half without... Yeah. Without scoring, I mean... You know, it was just tremendous. You know, Blair, he's averaging five and a half three-point attempts per game. He's shooting 34% from the rate. But he's he's a tremendous three-point shooter. Um, and three-point shooting, like I said earlier, I know I keep on saying the same thing over and over again, but three-point shooting is the key to today's game. You know, you have big guys shooting from the outside. Look at Bryce Golden. Yep, you're not wrong. And with with that win at Georgetown gave Saturday's tilt an even bigger buildup and even more importance on that game, hosting the Marquette Golden Eagles. And PC had stolen a game in Marquette earlier on this year in overtime, 81-80. to 80. And Saturday, I mean, it was... It wasn't it was that something. close. It wasn't a one-point game on Saturday. Let's just put it put it that way. You know, Marquette never had a lead in that game on Saturday. PC was up by as many as 21 in the game. They wound up winning by 12. And Marcus Howard had 38 points, right? 19 of those 38 came after PC was up by 21. So it, essentially, those didn't really matter anymore. Exactly. When he scored the points, it didn't matter. He was... PC locked them down. He was missing a lot of shots in the first half. When it counted, he missed the shots. And that's not to say he's a tremendous player. He is. Of course, yes. I'm not, I don't mean to take anything from away from him there, but I think that only goes to show how tremendous PC is defensively and how hard they just continue to grind out and work and how they prepare for games. And a lot of that goes to Colina's coaching staff. In their first game against Marquette, PC had five guys reach double figures in that one. Watson, Reeves, White, Diallo, and Duke. And, and then on Saturday, they bested that with six reaching double digits. And, and White and Young, Reeves, and say, Duke, Diallo, and Pipkins. And I'd say Pipkins probably had the best game as far as career to date. Oh, 24, for sure. Yes. 24 crucial points. He had four steals. Only turned the ball over three times. 37 minutes. Just 40 minutes in a game. He only sat for three minutes. Yeah, he, he was, was tremendous. He had an amazing first half. And 
you know, the second leading scorer was Duke, 5 for 8 from the field, 15 points in 27 minutes. And then, of course, you had AJ. I'm telling you, Nate, AJ's back from 3. He's splashing again. He was doing it. I mean, he was. He had some big threes in that Pipkins game. Pipkins and White. But, you know, you really got to focus on, on reason that he struggled to shoot the ball being the year. Dealing with injuries and last year and early in the season. And the last couple of games, he's been shooting the ball real well. You know, maybe the last couple of weeks, I should say. Maybe as far back as a month. But he was 3 for 6 from, from the field. 3 for 6 from 3 in that game. 2 for 3 from the line with 11 points. And then Diallo, he had a rough game. But once again, his teammates picked, picked him up. He was 1 for 9 from the field. He played all 40 minutes. He managed to get 10 points, 8 for 8 from the free throw line. I mean, That's a big staff thing. Incredible. That for much of the year, he struggled from, from the free throw line. Yeah, he shoots about 60%. And as a team, 20 for 27. They shot 40% once again from 3. I mean, we're seeing the same patterns in their victories. They're hitting their free throws at 70 to 75% at least. And they're shooting the 3 ball at 40% or higher. Right. And there's no reason why this team can't do that. Night in and night out. I mean, you look at it, only 12 turnovers. You right. said what, last last podcast? They average about like 13 a game or so? I mean, if right. you're only turning the ball over 12 times a game... That's not bad. That's not bad at all. It's above average. Oh, for sure. I mean, they forced 18 turnovers from Marquette. Marquette had 20 made baskets. They only had four assists. PC had 28 made baskets. 16 assists. Right. I've never seen a team, so I'm talking about Marquette here, that is so conscious of just getting one guy the ball. Right. So Guys are passing up open shots just to get the ball in Marcus Howard's hands. It's right. unbelievable. And it's not like they don't have other guys that can score the ball. You know, uh, Kobe McEwen, he can score the ball. You know, he had seven points. He was two for three from the field. He only took three shots. Sakar Annam, he's a senior. He's averaging 12.8 points per game. He was 1 for 6 from the field. Brendan Bailey. Brendan Bailey. He hurt PC in the first game. Yeah. He hurt him badly. Bailey had 19 points in that game. Five, uh, 4 for 6 from 3. They shot him down. He only took 2 shots. Didn't score a point. And then Theo jumps 2 for 2 from the field. You know, he doesn't score very much. It's 6 and 6. And then... Uh, Greg Elliott was the only other guy that did anything. He had 10 points. He was their second-highest scorer. Right, and Jamal Keane had 7 in 21 minutes. But getting back to PC, their bench, like I said, picking everybody, picking each other up. I know I keep saying it. And truthfully, you're probably tired of hearing me, but it's true. You know, Diallo had a rough game offensively. And Watson started. He only had 4 points, 16 minutes. But Khalif Young... Four for six from the field, 23 minutes, 10 points, three rebounds, and three assists. You know, if you remember correctly, going back to Cleese's freshman year, he showed signs where he could really pass the ball. And you didn't really see that the past couple of years. But this past game, he looked like he was finally realizing his potential. Yeah. They had that little run at some point in the second half where it felt like everything was going through Khalif, whether it was Khalif yamming it home at the rim or him finding I think it was Duke wide up wide open underneath the basket for a yam like Khalif just again 20 plus minutes that's the key to a Friars win apparently right I mean as long as that guy's out there for his 20 
Khalif's just been playing great lately. And he it's, has been. And, I mean, it has come at a cost with Watson not really playing too well the past couple weeks. Well, I wouldn't say he's not playing well. I'd say that the matchups are more geared toward Khalif than they are Nate. That, that's my personal opinion. Because I think, I think the reason why they have Khalif out there, the senior leadership, and I think getting out in the pick and roll, his pick and, re- pick and roll defense, I think Coach Khalil likes a little bit more. And, well, getting back to the game, though, Malik White had 10 points and 4 assists off the bench in a steal in 29 minutes. So you had Pipkins with 24 points. Duke with 15, Reeves with 11, and then you had Young and White off the bench with 10, and Diallo in 40 minutes, 10 points. So you had six guys in double figures. Yeah, I mean, and they they have those six guys plus Watson who can give you double digits almost every single game. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, he's averaging 9.1. I mean, they're and all the threats to do it. the past couple of games, he's hardly scored. You know, when you have five guys on the court at one time that are capable of scoring, and that all are willing to score, you're going to be tough. Now, I get Marcus Howard. He's the leading scorer in the country, 27.1 points per game. He's going to be your guy. I completely get that. But only four assists on 20 made baskets? No, yeah, that – I'm surprised he passed the ball four times. No, he had four rebounds. He only had one assist. No, I'm saying four assists for the team. Oh, for the team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Yo, everything I know. was Howard. It was, it, was, it was almost as if – It's unbelievable. He took over half the team's shots. Right. Either – you know, whether you want to say – exactly, 25 shots out of 49 total for the game, for the team. So, you know, PC did a great job locking down the other guys – and they, they did a tremendous job locking down Howard, too. Ultimately, Howard's going to get his own eventually, though. Yeah, I, with the help from the men in stripes, by the way. 17 free throws. I mean, it oh, was man. just they yeah. were just putting him at the line to get his points. And Howard actually, in that game, became the all-time Big East scorer. He's got 2,633 career points. He passes Troy Bell of Boston College in that game. Um, something that we weren't even aware of until tonight actually we're taping this on a tuesday night and but yeah getting back to it they just i mean the guy the guy misses the shot he lands and like somebody lands next to him and he's shooting too it's like it's crazy it was crazy it was crazy and the majority of the time was howard going to the line too speaking of which he was 15 for 17 from the free throw line and you know that that's just crazy he took 17 free throws yeah, I mean, not a. It wasn't a good look, especially at the end of that game. You have Wojciechowski uh, calling a timeout, down ten, yeah. under a minute left. It was just, it was almost like they were just doing it to get Howard's point total up, almost. But it was, you know, you can definitely tell when the referees are trying to put a little fast one. Yeah, a little. P- they bit. didn't want PC to win that game. I mean, the last four minutes of that game took a half hour. It was unbelievable. It was just a bad look. Right and. You know, like I just said, 17 free throw attempts, hit 15 of them for Howard. On a on average, he takes 8.6 free throws attempts per game, and he hit 7.2. So he, so took, he took double. almost twice. Yeah, he took double his attempts, exactly. It was, 
It was just sickening to watch. So to assuming be he doesn't miss any, assuming he doesn't miss any free throws, you take away seven of their points, and they score. They don't score seventy two. They score sixty five. PC beats them by nineteen. Oh yeah, I mean the final score shows PC only won this game by twelve, but they did. It they was. Yeah, it was more like 20. I mean, going away from that game, if I was describing it to somebody and I, like, didn't see the final score, I would have said at least a 20-point win. And, by the way, a great showing for a couple special guests for the yes. Friars on Saturday. Yes. You know, uh, two I met, two young men, I met them both. Uh, very, very respectful. I met their mother as well. Maria, she's a very nice lady. Uh, the Mitchell twins. Yeah, Mikel and Makai Mitchell, six ten, freshman, transferring from Maryland, looking to come to PC. I you know I don't know about you, Nate. I, I'm guessing you're on the same, thinking the same thing as me. I'd love to have him here. Size size does not hurt, my friend. I would, I'll take those boys all day long. You know, a four star and a three star recruit in this past year's class. Things didn't really work out well in Maryland. You know, I mean Maryland's big guys averaging fifteen and ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough. It's tough to get minutes over a guy that's averaging fifteen and ten. Oh, for sure. In college, they, they, they do have some other stops on their tour. Um, you did, you did get it out of them that they are visiting San Diego State. Yeah, they are visiting San Diego State, but for whatever reason, I just, I have a feeling. I'm feeling good about PC. I mean, with that crowd of almost thirteen thousand rocking that, game, that dunk, and you know, like I said, I met the boys. I met their mother. They seem like a tremendously nice family. They seem like they would fit in very, very well in Friartown. You know, I, I, they seem like they would get along just great with all the guys on the team, and and they would they and, would play, and they would play. They would play right away. Oh, you for know, sure. next year, next year you're losing. Well, for next season you're losing Khalif, and you're losing Emmett, which means that the only big guy, traditional center on the team, is going to be Nate. You know, Noah Horsley is 6'8", but he's a three-point shooter. Yeah, he played, exactly. He, you he's know, he, he's, he's capable of playing the down five. Low. Right, he's capable of playing the five. But if you add these two young men, I'll tell you what. Think about this team. 6'10", 6'10", 6'8". And then you got Jimmy Nichols, 6'8". Yeah, you can't forget Chris about Monroe, Jimmy. 6'8". Yeah. This is Size. a big team. Size. And then Nate, 6'10". And it's you been know, a while since you've looked at a PC team and thought, that's a big team. Right. You know, I'd have to say the last time was when they had Carson DeRochers and Tyler Harris and Pascal Chuku and, you know, those teams were good. Those teams were tremendous. PC in recent years, whenever they have that size, oh, not to mention next year, too, they're going to have Greg Gant back, of course. He's 6'8". I don't want to f- forget about his size. Yeah, nine boards against Seton Hall last week. He can go he up there with forward. the best of them. And then... You know, they're bringing in some freshmen. And then, of course, they're going to have their guards back this year. And I think that, you know, as far as size and athleticism, Jared Bynum's the transfer. He's only 5'10". But I think as far as size and athleticism, you know, they're going to be very good next year. Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely be exciting time in Friartown if they decided um, that, you know, this, this was the place for them. And I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, they still 
know, have have a lot have a lot more to process in their decision, but Yeah, you know we'll see. We're we'll on see, the street man. as far as the freshmen that are coming in next year, is Alan Bree can score anywhere on the court. That's just what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, it would be a great compliment of shooters and size. Well, with that win, Pete, that marks the fourth consecutive win against a ranked opponent for the Friars, and it pushes their confidence record to 9-6. and six. We're going to take a quick break now. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the conference as a whole, and we're also going to look forward to a potential NCAA tourney bid. All right, so the Big East standings as of right now, number one, Seton Hall at 12-3. and three. Behind them, Creighton at 11-4, and four. Villanova 10-4. and four. In fourth place, your Providence College Friars at 9-6, and six. Marquette 7-7 seven and seven after that. 7-8 and eight is Butler, Xavier 6-8, and eight. Georgetown 5-9, and nine. and then the conference rounds out St. John's 3-11. DePaul just got their second win against Georgetown the other day. They're 2-12. Providence has one game this week. They got the week off until Saturday at noon in Philadelphia against the Villanova Wildcats. And, Matt, that first game, man, we've seen a lot of good Providence-Villanova matchups. That was one for the books. Unfortunately, it didn't go into PC's favor. Villanova took that one in the dunk back in January, 64-60 to over the Friars. Yeah, you know, it was tough. You know, um, it was, you know, PC only had one lead the entire game, I'm pretty sure, and it was a one-point lead. You know, it's tough when you're always fighting back from behind, but still, nevertheless, Villanova, ranked number nine at the time in the country, PC only lost by four points. Not bad. No, not at all. And PC, they only shot 32% in that game. They went three for 23 behind the arc. So you only hit, yeah, you only hit one or two more of those and you got that game. Um, Great, good, great game from Watson. He had 18 and nine. Duke had a double double, 11 and a career high, 10 rebounds. Diallo, he only played 14 minutes in that one. He didn't get on the, uh, he didn't score at all. Pipkins had eleven. He hit all seven of his free throws. Zero for three behind the arc. So yeah, you know, could have played a lot better. Game. Duke struggled that game. You know, he had eleven points, but he was four for sixteen from the field. You know, he had ten points. You know, of course. You know, when you're going to be competing with Villanova, that's not very good. You, it's going to be very tough to win a game when one of your star players is four for sixteen from the field. But nevertheless, they were able to keep it close, and I think part of that was because David Duke did have 10 rebounds, two assists. I'm sorry, an assist and two steals. He only turned the ball over twice in 37 minutes. So, you know, even though Duke did struggle offensively, he did contribute. Yeah, and, I mean, when you look at the numbers other than the score, I mean, PC did a great job, only 11 turnovers, but they only had four assists. On 20 made baskets, they did out-rebound Villanova 45-33, to so they won that battle. Um, you know, it could be a pretty similar script this Saturday in Philadelphia, maybe PC, on the other side of it. Yeah, you know, 
somebody, I, I can't recall exactly who it was, said it. An analyst on Twitter, a couple of days ago I saw, he said PC was the hottest team in the country. And, you know, they've, they've just been terrific. They've got three straight quad one wins, and they've just been beating up on teams. Yeah, I mean... Maybe, maybe you know, a seven point. quad one wins total. Yeah, you know when when they're when they're on, they're on. And you know that Villanova game, that last Villanova game, I should say. Um, as far as point guard play went, Duke only had two tur- uh, two turnovers in thirty seven minutes. Very good. But the problem was the scoring in that game. It's going to be very tough for you to win a game when you only score sixty points. And sure, Watson had eighteen points, nine rebounds, terrific. But you got to get some, someone else going, too. You know, Malik struggled that game. He had five points. He was 0 for 5 from 3, 2 for 9 from the field. If he's going to be playing 31 minutes, you got to get more from him. Pipkins had 11 points, but he struggled from 3. He was 2 for 7 from the field overall. Didn't hit a 3-pointer. He was 0 for 3 from 3. And then, you know, A.J. Reeves. Um, very good guy. 1 for 5 from 3, though. Yeah, they struggled mightily, 3-for-23, as I said before, and that is just not going to cut it. But like I said, you hit a couple more of those, you shoot at a 25% clip even, and yeah. you got... And you win the game. And Exactly. All you have to do is hit two more, and you win by two points. Um, you know, I mean, these are your three-point shooters. You know, the guys are going to be putting up your threes. Malik, like I just said, he was 0-for-5. Diallo played 14 minutes, didn't even score. He was 0-for-3 from three. Duke was 2-for-6 from 3, Reeves was 1-for-5, and Pipkins was 0-for-3. Those are the guys that are going to shoot the bulky of 3s. And then, of course, you had Holt. He was 0-for-1 in in, from the field, 0-for-1 from 3, and it's 22 minutes off the bench. You know, you just got to find scoring somewhere, though. When this team scores, this team wins. They are 11-2 when they score 70 or more points this year. Yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, that's not even a crazy number, you know? I mean, a lot of teams, especially in this league, are scoring 70 points pretty consistently. So it just it, that's just a testament to the defensive mindset of this squad. Yeah, and, you know, uh, one of those losses was to uh, Pennsylvania. The University of Pennsylvania? Yeah. They lost 81-75, to and that was all the way back in November. And in that game, Diallo had 16, Pipkins had 14, Malik White had 20 off the bench, and Emmett Holt had 10. But aside from that, nobody scored scored more than five points. Yeah, uh, they're going to need a lot more of it on Saturday. Pennsylvania had guys just going off. You know, their big guy Broder had 17-10. That kid's the real deal. At that level, at least. He's averaging 16.5 and, and 9 this year. And they had Ryan Bentley, uh, 6'5 guard. He's averaging 12.5 points per game this year. He had 22 in that game. And they have another guard, J- Jordan Dingle. He's averaging 14 a game this year. He had 19. So th- so Pennsylvania can score. You know it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, and that was um, one of the three quad three losses for PC. Uh little um, not-so-good look on their NCAA tournament resume, but they've come back all this way, and you have a nice little nugget there about their net ranking. They're 48th in the country right now. And as of December 16th, 2019, they have moved up 
100 spots in the net ranking, and I don't know this to be fact, but I'd imagine they've, they must have moved up the most spots of, in all of college basketball since December 16th. Yeah, I can't think of another team that would have been ranked that low that is ranked where they are now in the net. I mean, you look at the teams around them. USC certainly wasn't down there that low. Xavier was never even close to 150. Um, Virginia definitely wasn't. Indiana was never down there. Cincinnati. So they have definitely crawled their way back from that very porous ranking throughout the first two months. Right. And by the way, you know, I mentioned a couple about a moment ago that PC only has lost two games when they've scored 70 more points. Obviously, one to Pennsylvania. But the other one came to Creighton. Creighton's always one of the better scoring teams in the country. They're always putting up points. And that's a game they shouldn't have lost. Right, and they, they only lost by four points. So, you know, when PC scores the ball, PC does damage. Yeah, and Saturday, that is the last road game of the season for the Friars. They'll have two more home games after that, next Wednesday against Xavier and next Saturday against DePaul. Providence sitting at nine conference wins now. The most that they've ever had is 11. They did it in 2014-15, 03-04, and 2000-2001. They've never had 12 wins in the Big East Conference. And if they win Saturday, they are in a great position to do just that. You're 100% right. And nobody's saying it's going to be easy to pull it off. Nobody's saying it's going to be easy to get to 11 wins. Never mind 12. But they're in a position where... If they beat Villanova, which, once again, not likely but possible, they have a chance at 12 conference wins, a new record. And that would just be amazing on the NCAA tournament resume. So let's just talk about that for a little bit because this was the first week all season long where, and deservedly so, where PC has finally cracked these projected brackets, gained the respect of these college basketball analysts. And like I said, they didn't deserve to be there for a while, but the way they've been playing the past few weeks, four straight wins against ranked teams. No, seven quad one wins. There's six teams in the whole country that have more quad one wins than PC. Kansas, Baylor, Villanova, Butler, Seton Hall, Creighton. All those teams have spent time ranked in the top 10 this year. Most of them have been in the top 15 pretty much the whole season. Right, and, you know, this week, for instance, you know, you said Kansas. Kansas number one. Baylor, number two. You said Villanova. Villanova, they are number 12. Butler? Butler's a ranked team, too. I think they're 21 now. Or, I'm sorry, Butler just fell out of it. Yeah, they were 21 last they week, They just I fell think. out of the top 25. But they've been in for the majority of the year. Creighton, I think, is a top 10 team now. Creighton's not in the top 10 this very moment, at this moment. Oh, yes, stop. Sorry, they are. Not only the top 25, they're, they're, they're the top 10. They're, they're the top-ranked team in the Big East right now. And then Seton Hall's right after Nova. Right, Seton Hall's 13. 13. So, uh, I mean, pretty good company for Providence in terms of... Of their resume. Yeah, you know, it's all elite. You know, maybe Butler's not ranked anymore, but they've been ranked for the majority of this year, and truthfully, 
as long as they're scoring the ball, I think their defense is just tr- tremendous. They've been as high as five when we played them at the dunk early January. They were the fifth team in the country. And Providence, I mean, yeah, they they have the quad four loss. They have three quad three losses. But I can't see the logic of holding a few a bad stretch in November against them when they've I mean, if they didn't have that stretch in November, they would be a ranked team right oh, now. Not only would they be ranked, I'd bet that they'd be, you know, top 15. <laughs> top 15, exactly. Top 10, top and that's, that's the way they've been playing against these teams. No, there's no doubt about it. They can play with them. It's just, I, I, you know, you see these high school teams. I'm going to compare them to high school teams for a minute. High school teams have a tendency a lot of times of playing down to competition. And to a degree, that's what it seemed like PC was doing earlier in the year. And, you know, the point guard play at the beginning of the year was a little a little inconsistent. You'd have some big games on him a week one day. And then, you know, he'd struggle for a little while, a couple games. And then he'd have another big game. Same with Pitt. He'd have a great game, and then he'd struggle a couple games. Duke early on in the season was not really playing much point. And he was their best guard. He was their most consistent guard. And... You know, today's modern game, it's all about guard play, outside shooting, defense. Yeah, and, I mean... And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, we, we mentioned Butler. The story of the top year. 25. Butler going into conference play was 12-1. and one. They're 19-9 and nine now. They're 7-8 in conference. That's kind of the opposite of what PC's done. PC's struggled a lot of conference, and now they're 9-6 and six in conference. And they could easily be, you know, they could easily have 11 or 12, uh, 11 or 12 wins right now. You know, you figure they, they beat Villanova in that four-point, when they were, uh, that four-point loss, which I guess Villanova, but they've had some close losses, PC. And, you know, you can't sell PC short. And, no. and how great they've been in conference. No, definitely not. And this is the kind of, I mean, coming into conference play, this was like your dream scenario, them winning 10, maybe 11 games, but they got a real shot to win 11, potentially even 12, and if they get to that 11 number, I mean, there is absolutely no way they are going to be kept out of March Madness. So a, yeah, lot, of, no a lot of the big college basketball websites have updated their brackets this morning on Monday morning, and I'll just... Name off a few where PC is in those brackets. So on ESPN and on NBC Sports, they are playing in the play-in game for a 12 seed. A 12 seed. Dude, they would be the best 12 seed in the history of March Madness if they got in there. They would pull off at least one upset, no doubt in my mind. See, here's the thing about PC. If I was a betting man, I would not bet on any game that PC has any involvement in, any game that they're playing in, because they're a team that can go and they can beat anybody in the country on any given day. But at the same time, they've proven this year that they can play down a competition, too, at times. Oh, for sure. And um, good thing Sportsbook Rhode Island doesn't allow you to bet on Rhode Island teams. Right, right. <laughs> they actually tried to put $10 on them to win the whole thing at the beginning of the year. The odds were like 1 to 300 or something like that. But anyways, um, USA Today has them as an 11 seed playing against Ohio State. 
And then CBS Sports, the absolute disrespect, still has Providence as a first four out team. I mean, you you can't they, sell me on this still. I'm sorry, you just can't. They got Richmond in, they got Wichita State. Really? NC State who's lower in the net ranking. Let than me ask them. you this. Who who wants to go see Richmond play? Nobody. <laughs> who does Richmond play? What conference where is Richmond? I mean They're well, in the A ten. Right. So like you know, you wanna see teams from the big east, you wanna see some Teams that are gonna go in there and maybe win some games, right? And not not to take anything away from Richmond, you know, they're twenty and seven. That's gonna say something. But look what PC has on their roster in terms of natural ability and talent. Exactly. That's gonna be a little. And they're playing in there. They're winning in yeah. the Big East. They're a much more talented, well, talented school. I mean, it would be a shame for teams like Richmond and Wichita State to get in over. PC. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we are putting some emphasis on this game Saturday, but they don't need to win this game Saturday. I mean, as long as they beat Xavier and DePaul at home, there's absolutely no reason that they're gonna, not going to make the tournament, regardless of what happens in the Big East tournament. I mean, right now, they would play Marquette if the Big East tournament started today, and if they lose to Marquette on a neutral court, you're not going to hold that against them. I mean, yeah, it would be a nice... It would be another quad one win under the resume, but you can't hold a game against Marquette. I mean, they swept them during the regular season. So I think as long as PC wins those final two home games, get them to 11. If they win Saturday, hell, they're in. Sharpie them. I mean, there's no doubt. Definitely. And, you know, I'm looking at Richmond right now. They're playing George Washington, UMass for their remaining games. Then they're playing Davidson and Duquesne. And... Their big win on the year is Wisconsin. How can you have a team in that their only big win on the year is Wisconsin? You know, they beat Vanderbilt by one. And what legit teams are they playing in that conference other than Dayton, which they probably got swept by this year? They didn't They didn't beat Dayton this year. They lost to Dayton by eight. Did they even beat URI this year? They like, did. Oh, did they beat URI? Yeah, they beat URI by eight. Okay, so URI is a good win, too. Oh, for but nevertheless, sure. it's not the URI in Wisconsin. Good wins, but they're not Villanova, Seton Hall. I mean, not that PC's beating Villanova, but the teams in the Big East, the teams that PC's beaten this year, Marquette, Seton Hall, you know, these teams. Yeah, it doesn't even come close. They don't, they, you can't compare them. To who Richmond's playing. No. I mean, I can only imagine the amount of quad one wins Richmond has. But we'll see what happens Saturday. I mean, you know, obviously tough, real tough to always go into Philly and play the Wildcats. Um, Jay Wright did a great job with that team. And even with a year where it doesn't feel like such a Wildcat year, maybe as, you know, as much as recent years, as much as recent years um, definitely not going to be an easy win. But we'll we'll talk to you guys after that Nova game. We'll try to get to you before the last two home games um we do have a couple announcements to make um number one is that we will be doing a ticket giveaway for senior day it's a six thirty game on march 7th saturday at home against the paul you get to see alpha diallo emmett holt khalif young malik white luan pipkins all play their final home game in a pc uniform it's going to be an electric crowd 
um, especially, you know, with the way the season has been going. The dunk has been ridiculous these past few home games. So we'll be doing that. If you follow us on Twitter, if you follow us on Instagram, we're at Friartown Pod on both. We'll have the directions there for the giveaway, and we'll probably close it around next Wednesday, next Thursday, so you can plan accordingly for Saturday. That's announcement number one. Announcement number two, Matt, you want to give it to him? You go for it, Nate. All right. Well, Matt and I, um, you know, we um, have something potentially in the works, maybe for next episode, but definitely for episodes after that. Now, we don't want to promise anything, but we could be having some very, very interesting young young men affiliated with uh, (laughs) Providence College basketball right here on this podcast. Um, like I said, nothing set in stone yet, but I would be surprised if it didn't happen. Yeah. So stay tuned for those announcements. Um, like I said, it may not. We may have more for you next episode. We're not entirely sure, but stay tuned to our podcast and and make sure to follow us on social media for that ticket giveaway. For Nate Carrero, Matt Shaker. Let's go, Friars. Let's go, Friars. Friar out. Friar pod out, baby.